Welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight, I have Josh Cacho, as always. Josh, what's up? Not too much. I mean, I think we're, with the news that just dropped this past week, I think we're all just ready and ready to roll and get things started. Yeah, it was a rather anticlimactic event. I, did you watch live, the draw? That guy had the most boring voice I have ever heard. So I watched in Spanish. I didn't I didn't watch in English, um, but I did see lots of action on Twitter about how terrible the translator was. And uh, I don't know. I thought the whole thing was way drawn out. I thought waiting till the nighttime to have it uh, was kind of dumb. Uh, I don't know. It was cool to see DeMarcus Beasley. Yeah, speaking Spanish. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, other than that, though, I thought it was uh, kind of over the top. Um, I mean, you, you got to try and be a, a little bit relevant, I think, is kind of what you're hoping for there, right? Yeah. I'm, a little I'm bit guess. of clout, try to be like Europe. It'd probably be weird if they just showed up and uh, just drew the ping pong balls out of a lottery machine or something. But um, I guess we're kind of talking over everybody's heads. For those of you who don't know, the CONCACAF Champions League draw was on Monday, and LAFC will play against Leon from Liga Mekis in the first round. Um, so that'll be a home and away series. I think we play away first, if I'm yes. remembering yeah, correctly. I, because I think we're the higher seed, so usually in that case, then you'll play the away the away leg first and then the home leg second. Yes. So Leon, who just recently finished second in the table in the Apertura, in Liga Mekis, uh, and then we're knocked out of the playoffs, if I'm correct, right, Josh? By uh, Monarcas. There it is. Um, few interesting storylines tying those teams together. JJ Macias, who has been linked to LAFC, I'm not sure. I don't. I haven't seen Vince deny this one yet. I know that he squashed the Brian Lozano rumor, but I haven't seen him deny this one. And given that they both came out at the same time and Vince hasn't said anything, maybe there is something to it. Um, so JJ Macias, who is currently a member of Chivas, but was loaned to Leon for, was it just the season, Josh, or was it longer? I, I believe so, or he had been, at least through the through the Apertura. Okay. And now he is back with Chivas. Um, but a 20-year-old Mexican international who is likely on the move, uh, whether that's to MLS or somewhere else. We'll just have to wait and see uh, in January. Josh, anything else, any other wave tops that you want to hit on Leon before we dig into what we've seen so far? No, I mean, obviously, I think there's there's a lot of, you know, when you look at the way that the draw played out, you know, for the, the bracket, the LAFC, found, the side of the bracket that they found themselves is probably the toughest one you could have ever asked for. So... Mm-hmm. On the way there, you're likely going to see, you know, um, all the Mexican teams heading into that. In you know, every possible Mexican team you could have run into, you're likely to see heading on the path to the final. So, should you win in this first round, you'd likely have Cruz Azul waiting, and then beyond that, it would be the winner of likely Atlanta versus uh, uh, Club America, and then after that, you would. Look at Tigris, or you know, obviously the 
you know, Thierry Henry led Montreal Impact, will, you know, will probably make their <laughs> make their their appearance the you know, somewhere champs. down the road. Of course. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you slander the city that invented soccer, Josh? Of course. Seattle Sounders FC are going to. But they, but Thierry Henry, you know, like you just you, when you hire a guy like that, you just expect to win, and you know they have the they have the Finnish Henry on their team, you know, currently scoring a bunch of goals for them. So you know, we'll see. Yeah, I think I just saw that they were going to sign uh, Cavallini also, which uh, no, he went to Vancouver. Oh, was it Vancouver? Yeah, he Cavallini oh, went man, to the Vancouver. Canadians are going to hate me. Mm-hmm. They're going to hate me for that one. Um, but they had, again they had the they have this finished DP. I didn't even know he was there. Um because really the team had been built around uh oh what's that guy's name? Ignacio Piatti was yes. had long been their their talisman and um you know I think he was basically getting ready to leave and that kind of thing and they had brought in towards the end of the season this Finnish kid. I think he's like 20, 21, but national team player. Um, you know, played in the Euro and, you know, look good, let's look good, looking good. So, um, you know, while I, they're definitely not favored and I think, I think they drew Saprisa in the first mm-hmm. round, um, you know, I get that, that, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll try to make their, you know, make their impact on it, on the competition. But, you know, I'm sure people aren't here to hear, you know, aren't here listening, try to talk about Montreal. We'll get back to LAFC. As soon as uh, well, I am, I am going to, indulge that little tangent there um back before we started the show josh i I was writing for uh, a website and i did a a mls season preview um and it was all the mls teams as game of thrones characters uh this was you know right as the final season of game of thrones was wrapping up and because of nacho piatti and his talisman-like uh well, Montreal's talisman-like reliance. He was the red woman, Melisandre. Hmm. Because once you took that necklace off, it was all over for that team. Uh, I see. And uh, I, I, that was, I think, the one I was most proud of. Um, LAFC, for those who care, was uh, Daenerys with her three dragons. One of whom, spoiler alert, was killed off. And that third dragon for me was Andre Horta. <laughs> so <laughs> that article, I did not, I, I wrote it in the, I wrote it on the website itself. Um, and when the website went defunct, cause we were just a ragtag group of nobodies. Um, I lost that article. Otherwise I'd point you to it. But anyway, apparently though we signed, if he signed the wrong Horta because his brother has been killing it. Um, yeah, I think in the Europa League. Well, yeah, like his brother Richard Horta, I think his name is, is just like scoring mad goal, or Ricardo. That's what it is. Mm. Um, scored a bunch of goals, I think. In I, I, I don't remember who it was against, but it turned on a random Europa League game on a Thursday. And Thursday football is you know who no one really cares that much, but. Mm-hmm. Look up and you see Andre Orta out there running around. You know, hopefully inflating that that transfer value because we still own forty sixty percent of his rights or something. So yeah, you hope that you wish the best. Hopefully, he does well. But again, I think we need to get back to topic because you know that we're trying to wash away those Andre Orta memories as yes, quickly as yes, possible. That was quite the detour. I'm, I apologize to everybody. Uh, 
both Vancouver, Montreal, and LAFC fans who are, for whatever reason, still listening to us right now. All right, so Josh, we've watched one or two games, maybe three between the two of us. What do you have to say about Leon? The way they play, what should LAFC be looking for? Um, whatever your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, so again, when you take a look at it, they, they generally line up in either a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-1-4-1. So they're roughly playing five midfielders and a single and you know, then a and a center forward. Um, but a very offensive team, right? They're gonna push the ball up the wings, um, you know, and then get to the end line, send crosses back in the middle, and then again look for their center forward to finish and get on the end of the balls. Um didn't seem like a team that loves to build through a ton of slow possession through the middle of the park or through that. It's really just getting out into space, you know, and then trying to stretch you vertically more than anything. Um, mm. You know, I think it, this is something that we've talked about in the podcast before in terms of how do you stress an opponent's defense, you know. And one of the things that LAFC had done well throughout the year was stretching teams both laterally and vertically, especially teams that played possession as well. When we got to place against some of the some of the teams that were sitting back in a little bit more of a deeper block, that's when the struggle was because again, you when you need to move them laterally, LAFC was generally move, trying to just move them up and down, which is a little bit tougher to break the line at that point. Um, but when you look at the way that Leon plays, again in in possession, it you know again starts it starting out in that four two three one or a four one four one formation. They push up into you know about a three four three, and I think you were said it, at times almost like a three three four with the center with the um, center attacking midfielder kind of just floating underneath the three forwards um, ahead of the the middle line of three midfielders, looking to get the ball out wide. And then again, playing balls back and crosses back into the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. I'm like trying to figure out a team that plays a little bit similar. Atlanta comes to mind, right? In terms of the way that, you know, you see Gressel, f- you know, finding balls. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. You Gressel know, back into, right. yeah, finding balls back into the middle of the field. Uh, Leon tend to do it off the left hand side of the pitch more than anything. Um, so that would be on, um, you know, what Beta Shore or Endor, um, Tristan Blackman side, right, mm-hmm. uh, this past year. So, um, yeah, and it's just one of those situations where the the way that they play again is 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 again more of a vertical game than anything. Um, they're not a team that looks like they're going to try and pass you to death by any means. So, what did you see? Yeah, um, I, I do find it interesting that they play so heavily through the left side. They're their right back frequently looks like a center back where you have the left back pushed up into possession a little bit more, almost into the midfield, kind of like you said with Gressel. Um, They definitely favor that left side in possession. And that left back, at least in the matches that I was watching, doesn't overlap with the winger a lot. So it's not a whole lot of the winger gets on the ball and the left back is now compelled to get forward to keep that width. It's now what can this left winger do for us? Or he'll play the ball into the middle and then make a run back, uh, you know, towards the end line for a ball behind. Um, but I find it interesting that those back four stay relatively close 
and that the the left back is just kind of pushing into the midfield really um, while maintaining a little bit of width. Wait, so are uh, you telling me that Greg Berhalter is coaching Leon? Because isn't that what they've been trying to do with uh, what's his name with uh, Tyler Adams or supposedly? Well, I mean, I, that's I I think that's what you want to do is when you have like your second or third best player in Tyler Adams, you want to play him out of position in this kind of Got contrived it. role because you can't find a spot for him. So that's probably good. I will tell you what: if Leon runs out the old WM formation in possession like Greg Berhalter does, uh, CCL might go well for LAFC. I do not think that's the case though. Uh, but any 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 time is a good time to bash on Greg Berhalter and his brother. Yeah. So can't can't skip skip any uh, opportunities for that. No, no. Somebody has to hold their feet to the fire, and it is us. Um, another thing I think is interesting is they they play a lot from a double pivot, but it's not always. Sometimes, so they definitely seem to have a set six. I don't know his name. Uh, it's more the left sided defensive midfielder. And he's the one that is more prone to drop in to receive the ball off the center backs. But you will see that uh, that number eight or the other six there, he'll drop in as well. And that's why I said sometimes it looks like a 3-3-4 three, three, um, with essentially what's the left back, the six, and the eight all kind of floating around in the midfield towards the left side to, to jumpstart the possession. Yeah, um, you know, I think that was the one thing I saw was, you know, it, it's it's a little bit similar to, in terms of the buildup, in terms of how you would normally see Atuesta drop into space, pick up the ball, and then look look to spray it, you know, out wide to, um, you know, usually what Latif or Mark Anthony K, right? In, or actually, that's more towards the middle of the field. This would be more like him dropping down and then trying to find Jordan Harvey on the wing, right? Would be mm-hmm. something similar to that. Um, but like I said, should they? Should they find pressure, and which they will against LAFC because you're likely going to see Latif chase down that number six, that the other side, it, the other side of the pivot usually will drop down at the space at that point, and you know where where LAFC in the playoffs against Seattle because Seattle plays that four two three one double pivot as well, you know where we normally would have had you know Mark Anthony K coming down to pick that up um, alongside Latif that was when um, he had been hurt. And so then you had uh, Lee Wynn doing who, you know, again, did what he could, but in terms of, you know, his, he's not much of a defender at this point in his career. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that, that, you know, bodes well for LAFC in terms of if, you know, if they come out in the pivot or if they're in a four, one, four, one in, in having K um, and, and Latif there in, in the four, three, three, to really put pressure on the guys who are trying to jumpstart their offense through the middle of the park. So if you shut down, you know, raise a line of confrontation, right? Likely to just pass midfield. Um, Again, you're looking to now force the ball, force them to move the ball from the, either from the center backs or from the fullbacks. And, you know, again, I think that's something that we would like to see happen more often than that, because again, they're building out of a back three, um, you know, from their back three, it's not like they're really looking to play from the back the way that other team, you know, that LAFC typically does. Right, right. So a couple things here. I think um, 
in some ways, if you play the press right, it's almost easier because they are they do play more one dimensionally th- through the left side. So, in theory, you can trap the ball a little bit easier in that corner. You can cut off passes back across the field. You can cut off the the pass from the left back to the left winger, um, which is one that they'll look to play, uh, or from the left back into center midfield. So using Latif, especially like you said, or, or Mark Anthony K to come in and fill those spaces behind where Vela would be if he's playing on the on the right wing, um, to really take away those options and pin the ball deep. Um, the other thing that we talked about before the show was their propensity to become disorganized as soon as an opponent is on the ball behind the midfield. It doesn't seem like there's, uh, um, this is going to sound super arrogant. I'm sorry uh, if there are any Leon fans that are also LAFC fans, but it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of uh, coordination or familiarity. I, I don't know anything about this back line, but it seems like anytime I saw an attacker behind the midfield on the ball, that back line would come completely undone. And you'd have shots. Uh, I think Shiva Shivas was able to get off, you know, three or four shots, quality shots from outside the box. At least, at least one goal on some. I think it was Pulido, uh, now of SKC, um, who had a goal from like thirty yards out as a result of this. So I, I think I think there can you can do some damage, especially with them kind of cheating to the left side. Uh, with Vela pushed up higher on the right, on our right side of the field, um, and cutting in on his on that beautiful, beautiful left foot of his, I think we could uh, we could pin the ball on that side, get the ball to Vela, and and have some quality opportunities on quick counters. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that you know when you know, I think you talked about the way that they were in possession, how they were lined up. Right was in almost a three three four, right, mm-hmm. and so I think you end up having a huge gap when the midfield starts to push up in the possession between their midfield, their midfield line because their six doesn't sit, right. He tends to pick up that ball, spray out wide, you know, spray it out to the left back or the left midfielder, and then push up higher to come back and receive the ball, which leaves a big gap between their their back line and then their midfield line. And so, again, what you're looking to be able to do is then now exploit that space where you have, again, your Carlos Vela picking the ball up along that right-hand side and then cutting in one-on-one where normally against some of these double pivot teams, right, you have the the six crashing back down on Vela and double-teaming him as he makes that cut inside. Well, right. in, the, in the way that they're in, in possession, that six isn't there because he's pushed up the pitch because they're... they're um, What's it called? I believe it's their left, their left midfielder or their left wing pushes up super high, like to the end line, and he usually looks to make those crosses in because must um, their center forward will stay, will kind of pull towards that left hand side, and then the right wing makes it like a run in behind the, the line, post. like a yep. diagonal run to the back post, yeah. right? And so to cover that area that he's vacated, that eight on the right hand side will push up. The six has now pushed up. And then again, it's really just the six and then the and the and they're ten sometimes in the middle in in the midfield that are that are just left there. Mm-hmm. So it leaves a lot of space in the middle of the park um to be able to exploit, especially on the counter. And so 
I wouldn't be to be surprised if they played a little bit more like how the beginning of that the playoff game against the Galaxy went, right? Where it's sit in mm-hmm. a little bit of a deeper block, invite that, invite the, um, right, invite the possession forward, and then spring that quick counter, you know, that counter press as they come across, you know, probably as they cross midfield um, and then go from there. Because again, I think it just opens up a lot of space out in the wing um, with room to run. And, you know, if you can imagine, depending on obviously what happens with, with Rossi, you know, you're going to have Rodriguez at full speed running at you. And that's again, that, that is just a scary thought for most defenders. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, the, the level of talent there. Uh, on the forward, you know, in that forward three um, is on par with any front three, I would say, in, in Liga Mekis. Um And I, I think it's certainly the the back line for Leon isn't necessarily their strength. Um, so I, I think I think you are right. Matching our, our strength against their weakness is probably the best way to win. <laughs> and that seems to be it. Uh, the problem, I think, is their strength is also like ours and our weaknesses tend to be in kind of the same spots. I think right now, again, our starting 11 is solid. Um, I do wonder about a guy like Tristan Blackman or, or even Walker going up against um, the, the quality attackers that they're going to be seeing. Um, I guess you could also ask is Diego Palacios going to be ready? Uh, is Mohamed El Munir enough to be able to handle uh, these these wingers and and whoever their center forward ends up being, I'm not sure. Uh, I think they have another striker on the books, but I'm not. I don't know much about him. It seems like the next one on the depth chart is Leonardo Ramos from Argentina. But yeah, because after Masias, their other goal scorers are all their the rest of their front four. Okay, right. Yeah, Ramos, I think, is the next forward that has three goals on the season. But again, most of their goals have either come from Masias has nine, Angel Mena has eight, Victor Sosa has eight, and then Jean Mensis has three. Um, okay. And again, those are coming from the other, you know, their wide forwards. Yeah. One thing that I, I, I do like about their attack is, and you kind of brought it up, is they will drive to the line and send it across. Um, but their their wingers are also good about pulling the ball back and picking out a pass on the back post. Uh, against the, I think it was the Chivas game that I watched of them. Uh, the winger, the left winger in this case, pulls the ball back and spots the back post runner. I again, I assume that was their right winger, uh, and he comes in for a diving header. You know, he, he lofts the ball over three or four defenders. Um, and it was a fantastic goal. And I think you've seen our, our back line be vulnerable to that kind of, uh, those kind of dynamic attacks where they're not necessarily always one dimensional. It's not always the get to the line, send across, across the six yard line. Uh, sometimes I think that, that undid us quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing to understand, I mean, I think you'll see, 
comparatively to the day-to-day offenses that you'll you know that they usually come across at MLS right it it is a little going to be more dynamic right it's not going to be like um you know the galaxy where it's push the ball forward and hit crosses into Zlatan over and over and over again right and where that's the main the main focus or even just get the ball out to the wing where you have Pavone playing one twos with Zlatan right it, it, this is a little bit more of you're going to have you know a, a center stri- a center forward that they're going to play you know they're going to play as a target man but then also have a guy making a back post run or you're mm-hmm. going to have the left wing be able to drive the ball to the you know to the end line and then send that that hard and low cross back in towards the middle of the field um you know as opposed to the big looping cross to the big center forward in the middle of the park you know major league soccer is you know behind the times in terms of the way the style and the style of football that's being played across the board um, from an offensive perspective, at least. Whereas, you know, Liga MX, where you, you do have a few teams, you know, especially at the top half of the league, you know, that that do score in bunches because, again, they have that elite attacking talent. Um, you know, whether or not Leon will be able to sustain that without without Macias is, you know, is a question heading into um, heading into CCL. But again, they're also going to, you know, they have the benefit of having come up, having just played a full, you know, their first half of the season. Um, whereas LAFC will be a month, roughly a month in the training camp before that game, um, before that yeah. first game. Because I think they opened training camp at the end of January is what I've, what I've read. Okay. I know they're doing like a 10-day. I just saw it today that they're doing some sort of training camp with Peñarol as well. They're coming up to Los Angeles and that's when we're going to play a friendly against them. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think that leads into CCL. So your basic CCL is your first game, your first official game of the season um, or yeah. a competitive game of the season. And it's on the road in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Welcome to 2020. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I think, you know, I think some of the concerns about the keepers are something that you have to wonder. Um you know, especially if after what we've seen from Tyler Miller this past year, in those biggest moments, is he going? You know, is he going to be shook in the way? You know, in the way that it was portrayed. You know, in those moments against the Galaxy, um, or is he going to be able to come up big when it when it matters the most? You know, or is he even going to be back? Because I know um, Jerry and Joseph over at Heart of LFC had reported that he has an offer um, from Portland, I believe. Oh, I think I saw something about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if he's got a, that offer from Portland, which, I mean, if if he has an opportunity to start and it's not guaranteed here, you know, I I can imagine, um, you know, it may be it may be tempting to him. Um, but I I do wonder. I think Portland's going to have to compensate LAFC for it, which is a little bit weird because he's not. I don't think he qualifies for a free, free agency. So I think they have to yeah, trade think, his rights still. Yeah. Likely for some like fifty thousand, some kind or of gam like or cam, yeah. Weird, yeah. Who knows? But again, you know, those are that's probably the biggest concern to me in this kind of in in this match is again is is your defense that you know you're not really sure. I mean, again, we still don't know what some of these roster moves are going to be. Who's going to be back? Will Harvey and Beta be back, and so on and so forth? Um, you know, what is that going to look like, and how are they going to handle themselves? you know, in, in a hostile environment that they've, that they've yet to see. 
right? I mean, the closest thing is probably, what, Portland, maybe? Yeah. But even then, yeah. you know, like... You know, a lot of the Portland fans, you know, they're it's they're they're it's they're sitting the whole game, right? You know, it's not like the right. It's not like, you know, it, again, it, it would be going into the, the you know going into a stadium that is the thirty two fifty two around the whole stadium, right? Mm-hmm. That's the type of environment to expect when you're heading into Mexico, especially at some of the, you know, if you were to go to America or some of these places, you know, where you know, the, the fan bases are huge and the stadiums are huge and those types of things. But, you know, again, that that's where you have to wonder. Um, again, especially in this first, in this first foray into it, can you, ha- you know, can you handle yourself on the road, um, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in the most hostile environment you've likely seen, you know, since the club began, right? And, and it's not going to get any better. It probably will get worse as you move to other teams. But, for the time being, um, you know this this is likely to be the most hostile environment they've that the team has faced, um, yeah, as a whole at least. And so, you know, that's when you have to wonder. It's like on in that away like, do they tend to you know are they? I don't want to say sit back because again, that's that goes away from the the principles of the team that we've seen, you know, thus far. But do they allow themselves to grow into the game like they did? You know, against. Um, the galaxy, right? Can you take those take those lessons that they've learned in these big games and understand? Okay, you have to grow into it, not get too excited, not do those, you know, not play out of character the way that we have in the past. Grow into right. it, and then really, as the game goes on, then you know you you know exploit the weaknesses that you find and utilize your you know your talent, you know. And again, you're going to have at the top end, you know, you know what you've seen in the past, you know, in, in CCL, right. Is that the, the top end players in, in MLS, you know, are oftentimes above what you're going to see, you know, in league, you know, Mekis, um, you know, look at, look at the runs that some of the teams have made in the past. But again, it's when you get into that second, into those second legs, when it gets a little bit more gritty and they, they you dive deeper into the bench that MLS hasn't been able to catch up. Again, yeah. we don't know what that even is still going to look like until the CBA is done. But um, you know, at least for the time being, you know, you'll you're going to have to kind of figure this out in terms of just surviving through the early stages, and then again, be, try to work it out as the game goes on. Right. So, what you mentioned the depth, and I think that is a real issue. And I mean, hopefully, most of this gets sorted out by the end of January um, after the transfer windows closed. But I think when you look around the field at the presumed starting 11, there's still a lot of question marks, not for MLS play, but for a bigger competition like this, especially like you said, uh, away to Mexico. And you start looking around and you say, well, does Tristan Blackman or Walker Zimmerman, do they have what it takes to play in that kind of high pressure environment. Uh, I think a guy like Atuesta and uh, Segura are, at this point are beyond question. Mark Anthony K, not sure on him yet. Latif is going to give you the effort, but does he have the quality, the individual quality to beat his matchup? Uh, not sure. I'm honestly not sure. 
against a, a team from Liga Emeakis. Um, one thing I noticed while watching these matches is that their midfielders are definitely willing to um, to take on an opposing midfielder, and they they they're perfectly fine with just one v one matchups. They're not always looking to do two or three v ones to get through the midfield. They're perfectly fine with their midfielders getting on the ball uh, and trying to just dribble past somebody and win that way. So when you look at a guy like Mark, Mark Anthony K and Latif Blessing, do are they up for that challenge? Uh, and then the only other midfielder on there is Javi Perez. So like you said, when you have tired legs and you're coming back uh, for the second leg, you can't really play Javi Perez against these guys because he's well, going to run off the pitch. Alejandro Guido, oh, remember? that's right. Alejandro Guido. Sorry. I'm looking at the at the list, and for some reason I picked out Perez uh, from the list. But yes, Alejandro Guido is the only one left. So uh, I don't know if that's better or worse. <laughs> to be we, I mean, he's still a mystery. We don't know. I mean, yeah, he had, he does have experience in Liga Emeki. So, you know, maybe yeah, he's, he's yeah. the missing link for CCL player for some reason. Who knows? Who knows? And then, I mean, as I, as I stated before, I think everybody on your, on your forward line there, uh, at least the top four, Vela, Rodriguez, Rossi, and Dio, I think you can trust all those guys. Uh, no word on Danny Mazovsky or whatever his name is. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing is- I thought about that move and, you know, I'm just throwing this out there and it was something that I was thinking about. I have to wonder if this is kind of signaling that Perez is going to now move to the midfield um, full time as Latif's substitute, you know, like he's, is given his work rate and the things that he does and, you know, some of the things that Latif did early, you know, did well and then didn't do as well, you know, in the first year. Um, you know, I, I felt like I saw some similarities there in terms of just how they go about their business. And so I have to wonder in bringing in another Ford as a project, is this a guy, you know, is this now looking at Josh Perez moving into the midfield to be a little bit, provide some depth at that anti-10 um, position that, that Latif occupies, right? Because again, it, it's a, such a specific thing that he does that I don't think you can just pick anyone up off the, you know, you can just sign any random free agent, you know, or, or even, you know, any, any bring in a signing to do what he does. And I think right. having a guy like Perez, who's been around the team for a long time and they've, I know, and they tried it at one or two times this past year, at least in substitute appearances. Um, you know, you have to wonder if this is now, what they're what they're gonna try and do to um, at least have some cover there should Latif get mm-hmm. hurt again, like you know in the like you saw in the playoffs. Yeah, the the one thing I will say about that is I think Latif Blessing always had better ball skills out on the wing than per, than Josh Perez did. Who I think we talked about this on the last episode. To me, Josh Perez is a running gun winger, uh, kind of a poor man's. Uh, uh, man, Jordan Morris is the word I'm looking. Is the name I'm looking for? Uh, who is a poor man's winger? Jordan Morris is. So uh, Latif Blessing always had a little bit more. He's able to shield the ball better. He's able to to beat a, a player with skill, not necessarily just pace when he's on the ball. Um, but I do agree that Joshua Perez does possess some of those same qualities. That you, the the way that he uh, you know, 
he's not going to cheat you on effort. Um, it never worked out when they put him there in the season, but maybe it's one of those things, like you said, maybe they surprise us with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't see any of any of Latif's skills in terms of what he ended up being, right? Um, at least from a defensive perspective, the year before, right? You just saw him as a, right, you know, an out and out right. winger who you know could you know who could hold on to the ball and you know was good in tight spaces, and I think in possession that you know you're right that's where where Perez is going to struggle as Latif's substitute, but in terms of that defensive, you know, that in in terms of where Latif has actually made his made his his mark for the team has not necessarily been on the offense, right? Because I think that's no, the one no. one part that we were still waiting to see if he continues to develop. It has been from that defensive, you know, and and if again given Perez's willingness to work, you know, to put in the work and, and put in a hard shift, and you could see in that game where he finally scored how exhausted he was. Um mm-hmm at the end of it, right, you know that he's going to give you that. And so that's why I have to wonder if that may be, again, with the, this signing and, you know, just to carry that many forwards, um, you know, maybe it's in preparation for a Rossi leaving, but I don't, you know, he's not, if Rossi leaves, they're not going to not replace. I don't think you're not, you're going to not, re- you're going to replace him with a USL signing, right? That's not going to be the guy that comes in and and, yeah, yeah. and, and changes things for the team. Um, and so again, maybe that, you know, and I'm not sure that they're going to change the style of play anytime soon. Um, because I think this is what Bob has decided. This is the style of, you know, this is his, his version of pure football. And so, um, yeah, so that's what I have to wonder if, if this is now, again, this is now a moves to start rounding out the team and do some of those things as we head into, you know, what's, what's going to be an even busier season than what we've already dealt with, dealt with this past year, you know, cause again, mm-hmm. now you're looking at playing on, on three in three, in three competitions instead of just the two that we had yeah. faced last year. One thing I think we probably should address is uh, the CCL hangover. The teams typically go through. Um, you saw it with Toronto and then you saw it with Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta had the, you know, they brought in Frank DeBoer, so you can chalk some of it up to that. But these are these are teams that uh, made somewhat deep runs. I, I guess, it, I mean, Toronto made it all the way to the final, and Atlanta sure, made it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Michael Bradley. Um and then Atlanta made it, I don't know, maybe a semifinal. Is that how far they made it? Um, uh, but um, I don't then you see them kind of struggle out of the gate in MLS play because, you know, now you're playing home and away, uh, home and away matches to Mexico or somewhere else in Central America. And so you're adding a lot of, a lot of minutes to guys' legs and a lot of travel time as well. So... Uh, it can be difficult. Um, Josh, anything else? I'm kind of excited to go back and watch some more, some more Leon matches, to be honest, to try and identify more of like the individual skills that the individual, you know, the individuals that they have on the team, what they're good at, as well as kind of refine my own understanding of their tactics. Yeah. I mean, and I think the one thing to, I think the one thing that I think they resume play in January, right? Once Mm. for the Klausada. Um, and so what, you know, again, I think this team will, 
likely be pretty different without Macias in, in the middle of it. Um, you know, because again, he had he had been, you know, the guy that kind of ran the show. He drops into midfield a little bit. You know, he he is what created space up that left hand side to give them room to now send in those crosses. Because again, he is such a a threat, and so um, you know, you one you wonder how that how that how they rebound not having him there. Um, because again, he has been a, you know he has had been a big part of their their offense. Um, through this first part of the season. Right. Right. And maybe, hopefully he is wearing black and gold in February and, uh, can make some sort of impact for us. Yeah. I Um, mean, again, I think time will tell, you know, obviously, you know, we, we finally saw the dam broke in terms of signings, but again, it probably wasn't who we were, what we were hoping to see, um, given some of the stuff, the moves that have already been made. Um, But at the same time, um, you know, like like we've always known, the team's going to keep most of the moves close to the vest, um, you know, for good reason. I mean, you obviously don't want to be publicizing your every move. And, um, you know, and it rarely works out when those, you know, especially in terms of money, when when you when you do overly publicize some of these things, it, you know, it seems like whether it was Coutinho going to Barcelona or or Pogba from Pogba going back to Manchester United, you're always going to have to pay an inflated fee when this when it plays out in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, it, it definitely makes sense to be able to try and um, you know make these moves when no one's looking. Right? I think the Brian Rodriguez one is probably the prime example of that. And so um, while I don't expect to see you know to see a whole lot leading up to any of these signings, I think it, you'll likely just see things being getting done you'll maybe hear a day or two before it's finalized um you know we'll know a little bit more about the direction the team's going and and how things will go you know in about a month's time i think the the rossi how roast how things play out with diego rossi i think will be critical in terms of what what it looks like and what to expect um as we head in and head into february and so you know we'll probably be back with an you know with a second preview, if you will, once we, once we know a little bit more about how the roster is going to shape up, um, you know, prior, prior to the start of the season. Yep. I, I, I honestly look forward to previewing it at least one more time. Um, and maybe a second time right before the, um, right before the matches take place. Once we have an even better feel on what, you know, some, some of the, uh, reports out of training camp and everything like that. So, uh, in the meantime, if you have any questions, you can find us on Twitter, Josh, LAFC Josh on Twitter. You can tweet at the show at counterpress underscore. I am at Kirk Kinsey, or you can email the show, uh, the counterpress show at gmail.com until next time. We will talk to you later and good night. <laughs>